Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. All right, it's the weekend edition of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. I'm Spencer Keatsman here to give us a uh, sort of instant reaction on not only what we saw in the NFL today, um, I wanted to wait until later today to put this out just because I wanted to see where the AFC would shape up with a few things, you know, because obviously if you're Kansas City right now and you're the Chiefs, you didn't like what you saw today. It was sloppy. There is no question about that. The Chiefs made some mistakes, had some turnovers, fumbled a punt, led to Denver points. Luckily, the Broncos just aren't that good, and, and the Chiefs were able to take control of that game in the fourth quarter and seal the deal to keep Kansas City alive for that number one seed. So if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, which I think a lot of you might, you, you know, um, the the Bengals and Bills game is absolutely huge. Um, and then, of course, the Chiefs have to win next week. So there's there's almost no chance of, of Kansas City sitting anybody in the final week of the year resting, guys, because one way or another – you know, Buffalo's got another game. Even if they win, even if they beat the Bengals, there's still obviously a chance uh, that they could lose to end the season and then the Chiefs could get that number one spot. I mean, there's multiple scenarios. Cincinnati is still involved in this thing. Um, they could actually be the one or the five. I mean, they haven't wrapped up their division. Baltimore is still alive in that division. So uh, the, the AFC, the top of the AFC right now is really shaping out to be a lot of fun. Uh, there's going to be some drama and everybody in Kansas City will have their eyes on the Bengals and Bills tomorrow night. That is an absolutely huge game for three different teams. It's going to be exciting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun one, guys. So we're going to jump right into it here in just a minute. My buddy Mitch Vereldis is going to join us. He works with, I guess I technically still work at 98.7 Arizona Sports here. He uh, is the producer of the afternoon show. He hosts an evening and a weekend show on 98.7 here in Phoenix. Um, he's a great guy. I used to do a Saturday show with him, had a lot of fun. Um, and I think this is the first time I brought him on. So I called him up today, just said, Hey, you want to talk some football? He's also from Colorado. So kind of wanted to get his perspective on the Broncos and that train wreck and what they're going to do this off season to try to fix that train wreck. And I'll also get into, uh, the Kansas state game. Obviously that was disappointing. Kansas state had a great year, won the big 12. Alabama was just obviously too much to handle. Um, so we'll talk a little college football as well um, on this podcast. I'm looking forward to getting into it. It's brought to you by Cornerstone Property Management. They are a full-service company, and GW Weld has uh, a lot of properties. And, he, and the best thing about them now is I've started pushing this lately when, when talking about Cornerstone Property Management. They'll buy your property. If you just inherited something and you really don't know what to do with it, um, they'll, they'll make you an offer. They'll uh, take it off your hands and, you know, buy your house, rental property, whatever you've got. Um, GW got into the business because he was just tired of, of his properties being mismanaged while he was still working his full-time job um, and just got into business himself. He just wanted to do it and do it right. Not one single client has ever left Cornerstone Property Management ever. That is awesome. They manage hundreds of properties with hands-on care and finding excellent tenants that's always a pain, right? Finding the right renter. They'll take care of that for you. Maintaining the property and collecting rent. They do it all. 
If you're rental, um, if you don't know what to do with your rental home, you can call and, and get a quote. If you want to rent it out, they'll take care of it. The website is homewithcornerstone.com. You can get a free quote there online at homewithcornerstone.com. Let the rental work for you. Also brought to you by Earth Effects Outdoor Living. It's time to jump on board with Earth Effects Outdoor Living. You can have the outdoor lifestyle at your home that you've always dreamed of. Go to the website. It's eeoutdoor.com. You'll find uh, a lot of pictures of beautiful projects they've done for homes and businesses across the Kansas City area. They're also a full landscape service as well, so they can take care of your yard. Uh, they specialize in hardscapes, those quality-of-life projects like like fire pits, outdoor kitchens, uh, bars, patios, water features, all kinds of cool stuff. They also specialize in outdoor lighting. This is becoming a huge thing. They can really light up your yard, your patio, your deck, whatever it is, um, with, uh, with outdoor lighting. And it's, it's going to look great. I know my dad's been talking with Daniel Hanks. I think they're going to do something, um, coming up shortly. Um, Daniel has over 25 years of experience in this industry. He's absolutely fantastic. He treats every project like it's his own house. Earth effects is a part of the family here at Kevin Keatsman has issues. So you can expect honesty, integrity, and great conservative values. Contact earth effects, outdoor living, it's eeoutdoor.com. You can get a free consultation. They'll take a look at what you've got, see what they can do for you. You can give them a call. It's 816-478-7700. That's 816-478-7700. You can also connect with them on Facebook and see what they've done there as well. Earth Effects Outdoor Living. Build your dream in your backyard with Earth Effects Outdoor Living. All right, on to some football. Uh, the Chiefs were, were sloppy today. They, you know, came out struggling. You know, the Chiefs haven't had a whole lot of great fast starts this year. I was thinking about that today while I was watching this game. They just haven't had near as many as they, they have in previous years where they just come out against bad teams and blow the doors off right away. They've kind of messed around with some of these lesser opponents recently and, uh, you know, taking it into the fourth quarter where they've got a game. Um, but they got the win. Kansas City is now 13-3, and and if the Chiefs win next week against the Raiders, which you would hope they would, that game's on the road, though. They do go to Vegas to close out the season with the Raiders, who aren't playing for anything. I mean, it's it's a meaningless game for the Raiders at this point, and, and Derek Carr has been benched. So, I mean, uh, they, they looked pretty good today against San Francisco, but I, I the Chiefs just – I don't see them struggling with the Raiders in this one, and it's a game that Kansas City is going to need to win. Um because you're fighting for that number one spot. So if Buffalo drops a game and Kansas City wins next week, guess what? The playoffs go fully through Arrowhead Stadium once again, which is the end goal. You want to have that home field advantage. That's going to be very important. So, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot I, th I think we really need to dig into with the Chiefs today. There was some sloppy plays, some turnovers, some things they've got to clean up. They've been a little sloppy lately. I think they're at the point in the year now where it's just kind of keep everyone healthy, rest up, and get to the playoffs healthy. Um, can't have any of these key players going down. That would be absolutely devastating for the Chiefs if something were to happen. So, yes, while that number one seat is important, it's more important to have your guys healthy, I, I think. Um, because at some point in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's going to have to go on the road and play a playoff game. He has not done that yet. Um, that's pretty remarkable, really. And I, I just think that the Chiefs, are in a spot right now where, yes, the one seed is incredibly important, but is not as important as staying healthy. So uh, got the win against the Broncos, a bad team, just fired their coach. Um, 
there's just not a whole lot I, I think we really need to dive into. I think you're I think I'm thinking big picture right now is more what the Chiefs are focused on. And and it's all gonna start um Monday night football. Bengals and Bills, it's huge. It's absolutely huge for three different teams that have a chance to get this one seed in the AFC. Cincinnati could either be the one or they could be the five. Like it's not locked up yet. That is absolutely crazy. Um, but that's just the way we are. This the top half of the, the top two or three teams in this AFC are absolutely um, they're neck and neck. They're all right there, and it's competitive. And we'll have to see how it plays out with Baltimore. I do know that the Bengals end their season with the Ravens, so that'll be a huge game for the Bengals, regardless of of what happens tomorrow night. They're going to have to go win that game as well. So Cincinnati's got their work cut out for them. Um, you go zero and two down the stretch if you're the Bengals. You're going on the road, and you're having to be the wild card. So they've got a lot to play for. I'd say they have the most to play for out of anybody in the AFC. Buffalo and Kansas City have already clinched their division. Um, <laughs> the rest of the AFC is kind of funny. Jacksonville at 8-8 eight and eight is in the driver's seat in the absolutely dreadful AFC South. That That's an interesting one there. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, the, the Chiefs, they got what they needed to get done today win and move on same thing next week go beat the Raiders you're gonna have to win that game no matter what um unless there's uh, we'll have to see how the schedule plays out I would assume the Chiefs would play in the afternoon in in Vegas just because of the time you know they they flex the last week of the schedule because they don't want anybody knowing their fate before they play their game you know what I mean so if there's two teams fighting for the same spot or two teams fighting for the division, they're going to play at the same time. So that way you, you you don't want a team to know their fate going into to the afternoon games. That's just not what they do. Same thing with the Sunday night game. What they usually do for the Sunday night game to end the year is if there's a head-to-head matchup to win your division, which all intents and purposes sounds like it's going to be Baltimore and Cincinnati playing head-to-head for that division, I would assume that would be the Sunday night game unless there's another uh, division as well where there's a head-to-head to win it. That's usually how they do it. They, they want the Sunday night game to be basically a, a division winner or a winner-go-home type situation, and I would assume that's, that's what they would do right there as well. So we'll have to see what time Kansas City plays. Um, we should know, I think sometime tomorrow, what time the Chiefs will play on Sunday against the Raiders. I'm just going to double-check real quick and make sure they haven't um, announced it at game time yet. I don't think they have. I would assume it would be in the afternoon. Maybe they don't flex that one. Uh, no, it's still to be determined. So it's likely going to be in the afternoon. It's likely going to be a 3 or 3.30 kickoff in Kansas City uh, for the Chiefs and Raiders to end the season. All right, on to college football. Uh, Kansas State had Alabama in a pretty good spot to start that game. Uh, they get up 10 nothing. Deuce Vaughn had the, I think it was the longest run of his career, 80-some yards, took it to the house. Uh, just a spectacular football player he is. And then where I thought Kansas State was was doomed was the fourth and two on the two-yard line. And the Cats had completed – they had already converted two fourth downs on that drive. So Kleiman, you know, a lot of people were like, why aren't they maybe kicking a field goal there? It's because you got to score touchdowns to beat Alabama, especially after what we saw in the second half. Field goals weren't going to do you any good. You got to score touchdowns to beat a team that is better than you, more athletic. They've got the better quarterback. They've got better wide receivers. They're just all around better than K State is. So 
I, I don't mind the aggressiveness for Chris Kleiman on, and Colin Klein making some of those decisions. They just they needed to score on that play. And he had the guy wide open, and he just overthrew it. Will Howard made a few mistakes in that game um, and didn't really play the cleanest game. But Alabama's really good on defense, and that's a tough team to beat. So uh, I think you just tip your hats to Kansas State. It was a great year. Alabama is a playoff, college football playoff level team, even though they've lost a couple times and got left out. I, I, to, I told some of my buddies, I think Alabama, they might have beaten anybody in that college football playoff yesterday. They definitely would have been in the games. The, Alabama can clearly hang with those top four teams that we saw. They just didn't get selected. So um, hats off to the Cats and Chris Kleiman. They're going to have a lot of these guys coming back next year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what Deuce Vaughn does. Obviously, if you're a K-State fan, you would love to have him back for another year. I do not know. That's still up in the air. I'd, I'd expect he'll make a decision whether or not he's going to jump to the draft or go, come back another year sometime in the next couple weeks. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. But great season for Kansas State. Lost a couple of games I think they shouldn't have. I, the TCU, the first one, obviously that's understandable. The Tulane was inexcusable. And then the Texas game, playing Adrian Martinez, the same thing. So I, I think if you're Kansas State, you sort of look at this season as what it could have been. Um, but even if they had gone 11-1, and made the college football playoff, I mean, we pretty much saw yesterday what it could have been. You want to run into a team like that that is better, and uh, I, I just I, I don't know how you look at this season if you're a Kansas State fan. Tweet me. Ask me about it. At, at Spencer Keatsman, you know, give me your thoughts if you think of this season as, like, you know, kind of a glass half full or glass half empty. Winning the Big 12, obviously a huge deal. And, uh, you know, anytime you win your conference, you, you take that season as an extreme success and you don't ever take it for granted. Kansas State is the Big 12 champions and they will hold on to that, even though yesterday was very, very disappointing. The TCU game uh, here in Phoenix against Michigan was very sloppy. I mean, both teams had a bunch of turnovers. Michigan threw pick sixes like crazy. They threw two of them. That's why they lost. You throw two pick sixes in a college football playoff game, you're going to lose. Even though TCU tried uh, multiple times to let Michigan back in the game. You, you know, you watch that second half, the third and fourth quarter, TCU and Michigan, they were all completing bombs. I mean, just huge plays. I think these defenses in this game were absolutely gassed, and you could kind of see it. But I'm sitting here thinking TCU, like, okay, yeah, these 70-yard touchdowns and these big plays they keep having are, are great. They put points on the board. But I'm like, at some point, Sonny Dykes needs to run off like an eight-minute drive and keep Michigan's offense off the field to put this thing away. Because, I mean, that both teams were just scoring at will. They weren't really gaining any ground. You know, it's, at some point, when you've got a lead like that, you need to consider the clock and maybe, you know, Cut back on some of these big plays. I know it's hard to say, and it's easy to do when your receiver's literally wide open without a defender within 15 yards. Um, but at some point, I'm like, TCU really needs to give their defense a breather and put together a long drive to do this thing. And uh, they ended up winning. It went down to the wire. It was a great game. Uh, the the highest-scoring Fiesta Bowl in history. And TCU's in the college football national championship game against the Georgia Bulldogs, who got off to a slow start against Ohio State. I was texting my dad. My sister's a Georgia grad. We were all in a group chat last night talking about this one. And, and dad was basically like, look, these are correctable mistakes. There's, you know, Georgia is, is the better team. 
I even though I thought Ohio State, they're incredibly well coached. They've got a good quarterback. Um, that's a good football team, and they gave Georgia all they could handle in that one. I mean, it looked like Ohio State was going to win it. They really did. And the kicker just whiffed at the end, like not even close. That was like a tee shot right off the toe of your driver, just just a straight duck, hard left. At first, I thought it was blocked because the ball was spinning like it was, you know, it wasn't end over end. It was spinning sideways. I'm like, did that Georgia guy get a finger on that? And the answer is no. He just whiffed it. Just a complete whiff. Georgia wins the game. They move on. Um, this is going to be a fun college football championship game. I think we're going to see a lot of points in this one as well with Georgia and TCU. So that will be fun to watch. Looking forward to that. And hopefully the Bulldogs can give my sister a second straight national championship. All right, it's the weekend interview on Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. I'm Spencer in for my dad this weekend. And joining me now is a, a guy that I, I guess I kind of still work at Arizona Sports 98.7, Mitch Vereldis. Um I haven't <laughs> been in there in a while. You know, the car gig is really kind of put a, a damper on my, my radio time. But uh, Mitch is the producer. I think you're still on payroll. So if that I, helps. I actually am. I get emails all the time, and uh, Maloney texts me all the time wanting me to fill in, and I can never do it, so I feel terrible. But um, uh, so You're Mitch, still one of us, then. <laughs> Mitch is the producer of the Burns and Gambo show. The uh, That's basically the flagship show here on 98.7 Arizona Sports here in Phoenix. They've been doing it for years. Gambo's been at it for years. But uh, you've only been in the producer role, what, about two years now, I think, for that show, Mitch? Almost two years. They yeah. put me in that role October of 21, so I'm coming up on the second year, or okay. I'm in the second year, I guess you could say. Yeah, and uh, Mitch, you still host Arizona Sports Saturday. I used to be on that show with you. It was kind of short-lived. I think we did it for, what, like five or six months maybe, and then I had to uh, call it quits because you got to be able to sell cars on Saturday. And... You, you <laughs> and I kind of reignited that show. It was be dead. Honest, because it went dead for a few months. And then you and I, with the uh, trust of our previous boss, Rod Lakin, were able to pick that back up. Mm -hmm. And now Steve and I, Steve Zinsmeister and I, mm -hmm. carried the load for that into now this new year. Yeah, you know, I do get to listen to it. And, and there are times where, obviously, on Saturday, especially during football season when ASU plays, you're kind of bumped. Um, and that's just the way it is. But uh, you guys are doing great. Steve's great. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed doing that show with you. I, we had a lot of fun with it and uh you know maybe someday i'll be able to do it again but uh not today um but anyways mitch is actually from uh colorado springs and uh you know is it it's fair to say you're a broncos fan so i guess we can start with the chiefs let's, and broncos today just, let's put it this way there's a reason you invited me on today well of all days i wasn't trying to rub in the fact that kansas city's won 15 straight over denver i believe it's the longest active streak in the <laughs> nfl uh the last time the broncos beat the chiefs was the year that peyton manning won the super bowl right before he retired with denver that was the last year that was 2015 it, it just goes to show, like, I, I've always thought of it this way, Mitch, with, especially with the AFC West and any division, really. It comes and goes for, like, each team gets a window, right? I mean, the Chiefs are obviously in the prime of their window. They've won this division now seven straight years. Denver was the last team to do it before Kansas City went on their run. But you see it in, in the NFC West. The Seahawks had their run. The 49ers, it seems like they're um, sort of in, in, in the middle of their run right now. Um, it, it, it happens. I mean, it, it's, it just comes and goes and you can't stay on top forever. Can you? 
I mean, turnover is so quick. And obviously a big part of that, uh, as you and I both know, has been the man that has been under center <laughs> for the, both of those teams. Of course, when Peyton Manning walked off into the sunset, it has been a literal revolving door in Denver whereas Kansas City has had great success previously with Alex Smith, mm -hmm. and then they just drafted the next generational icon that is Patrick Mahomes, and that has led to this absurd dominance that they've had, not just in the division, Spencer, but really in the conference itself. They've right. been to four consecutive, correct me if I'm wrong, four consecutive AFC championships. They've this been to this two year, would, last be, four this year would be four. This year would be four. This year would be four. I'm pretty okay. sure. But yeah. they've, they've clearly held the mantle in the division and the conference that was first recognized by Lamar Hunt, the original owner of the franchise. So mm -hmm. it's good for the sake of the sport that Kansas city is able to get back to this level. Obviously from my personal perspective, I would like to see it come to its demise, but I know that's not happening anytime soon. And to bring it all home, the big part of that is the, the man wearing number 15, Patrick that's, Mahomes. And that's 100% right. And I'm actually wrong. This year would be five. I, I you know, when you win, oh, you wow. go to so many in a row, you just lose track. You know, I'm just, uh, <laughs> well, but, don't get drunk off of it now. <laughs> so, uh, Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game on the road. Does that change this year, you think? Oh, wow. Yeah, not once. Well, well so there would be one possible way that would happen, right? And we're not going to know. For of course, until week 18, but we're really not going to know until tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. The two teams that are vying for that number one seed, along with the Chiefs, the Bills and the Bengals, go head to head against one another. And if the Chiefs are looking to maintain that home field advantage that they've had since Mahomes has been their QB, they're going to be the biggest Cincinnati fans ever tomorrow mm -hmm. night when those two take take on each other Monday night. Yeah. Um, so basically, how it how it sits right now is Cincinnati is still alive to get that number one overall seed in the bye. It's going to be kind of tough for them to do. They definitely have to beat Buffalo head to head. They do have a tiebreaker against Kansas City, but the Chiefs have the Raiders left. I, I don't see Kansas City losing that game unless it's meaningless and the Chiefs are just unless gonna, Jared Stidham plays the way he did again today. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but yeah, Cincinnati has a fighting chance. They're, it's it's very slim, but it can be done. Kansas City would have to lose, and Buffalo would have to uh, obviously lose to the Bengals head-to-head. -head. Um, but you could have a three-way tie there if the Chiefs were to lose, and I think Cincinnati would get the nod because they would end up having tiebreakers over Buffalo and Kansas City. Um but, uh, you know, the, the, the number one seed is, is absolutely huge. I mean, that's you, you want to play at home throughout the playoffs. As of right now, it's, it's Buffalo. They do have a tiebreaker over Kansas City. Um, but, you know, you look towards the, the bottom of the conference. I can't figure out some of these teams in the AFC. The Dolphins lose again today. Um, I, New England, obviously, they're sitting there at 8-8. Eight and eight. you got Pittsburgh, who is, if you're listening, they're currently playing right now. They're tied with Baltimore. This but is the darling story of the AFC right now, is this Pittsburgh Steelers club, in my opinion. Do any of these teams at the bottom, I mean, I know the Chargers have already clinched a playoff spot, and uh, Baltimore has obviously clinched a playoff spot. Jacksonville is, is technically winning that AFC South division. What do you make of some of these teams? I think Jacksonville is going to – I mean, their their only game that matters is next week when they play Tennessee. And I think in the end, Jacksonville is going to take that thing because Tennessee is just – they're on their last leg. They lost Ryan Tannehill for the mm -hmm. year. He was a big part of what makes that offense run. Malik Willis clearly has a lot more work to go in this league 
Uh, can Derrick Henry carry them? I don't know for how much longer. Jacksonville looked like a juggernaut today, albeit against <laughs> Houston. But I think Jacksonville takes the division there. But what is interesting, Spencer, I don't know if you've mentioned it yet, neither Baltimore or Cincinnati have claimed that division in the AFC North. That one is still up for grabs, I believe. Separation by a yes, game. Yes, it is. And then they play each other next week because Pittsburgh has Cleveland playing for their opportunity. So that, that that division might come down to next week, especially if the Bengals lose and the Ravens win tonight against Pittsburgh. That would make things really, really interesting so, yeah. as far as who's going to be three and who's going to be five. In if, this, if, uh, you're, if you're Cincinnati right now, the one is still an option and the five is still an wow. option. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, the Bengals have two. got to be nerve-wracking. They have two huge games to end the, to end the year. They're not going to be sitting anybody. They're not going to be able to because they're going to be fighting for their no. division and the number one seed. M- Miami is one of those teams that I- I've always kind of been afraid of. I would hate to see them come into Kansas City and play the Chiefs in the playoffs. I just don't know anymore. I, I don't. I, I don't see it with the Dolphins, and um, I their offense fell off a cliff. Whether it's with Tua or without Tua, they just don't look like that same offensive juggernaut that they right. were for like the first ten weeks of this season. I don't know what happened to them. Were they just figured out where defenses are starting to understand how their offense works, or is is Tua starting to you know go into fetal position a mm-hmm. little bit, and he's starting to cower and disappear from that? that stalwart that he was all those early weeks. Yeah, not only that, but Miami's defense has kind of fallen off too. I, I was really disappointed in the way they played against the Packers last week, who, by the way, Green Bay has been playing some really good football. I mean, they absolutely steamrolled Minnesota today. Um, so with that being said, we can <laughs> – it's one of those things where – They're at win and they're in, Spencer. I know. Green Bay is now at winning their end. From How that, did get to this From point? that disaster that was at the beginning of the year for the Green Bay Packers, where obviously I know a lot of Packers fans that had given up in October. They were like, we're just done. Um, probably time to move on from Rodgers. We need to figure something else out here. And I'm like, well, okay. Um, they, they were able to bench Rodgers and put Jordan Love in the game today. <laughs> I mean, uh, Green Bay is playing some good football. But also in the NFC, um, Minnesota, I've, I've said – all along that the Vikings are a fraud and I've always I I, you won't get me off that train they've won every game they've played this year by less than seven points they're the only team in NFL history I think to win 11 games in a single season by less than a score that is absolutely remarkable and then the games they've lost they've just gotten blown out the Cowboys blew them out the Eagles blew them out um, and obviously today Green Bay just blew them out as well what who who do you think is is a real contender? I know the Eagles lost today, um, so technically they haven't locked up that number one overall seed, but they should. All they got to do is win next. week. I think week. they'll be fine. I I would be shocked if Jalen Hurts plays next week. I think at this point, if you're Nick Sirianni and the Eagles, you just want to get in, and you're in already and have been for weeks. And then you even get the extra week to make sure Jalen is fully ready to go. If you somehow hold on to that one seed, I think. It's in Philly's best interest to make sure Jalen Hurts is ready to go because he clearly makes that offense hum. Yeah. So, and and I don't think that there's any any way actually. So, if would a tiebreaker for the one seed go to a division record? Because so let's say the cow, let's say the Eagles somehow lose their last game, and the Cowboys uh, beat Washington to end the year. They both finish thirteen and four, and I think they split with each other this year. 
So I'm wondering if that tiebreaker would, would go to a division record. And if that's the case, the Cowboys would have the better division record than the Eagles. The Eagles have lost twice in their division. So, uh, or if it right. goes to conference record, they're both eight and three in their conference. I don't know. That's, that's interesting to me because technically that one seed is not locked up. Dallas is still in play for that. Obviously, Washington's going to be playing for a lot against the Cowboys next week. Um, and with the Eagles lost today, the Cowboys now have something to play for. If Philadelphia had won that game, they pro- the Cowboys probably would have sat everybody in, in their final game because they're not playing for anything. They can't win the division. But now, right. they, can't, now they technically still can. So uh, a lot of interesting things there in the NFC. What do you make of the 49ers? Obviously, you cover the Arizona Cardinals. You're very close to the NFC West. It's a team that uh, you see a lot of and talk a lot about, especially on uh, you know the shows that you're producing there. San Francisco, I think, is, is the real deal. I I've, I thought losing Garoppolo would be would be the end of them, but it's not. Yeah, right. They've done this with their third quarterback this year, and he might actually be the best of the trio. Brock Purdy, oh Mr. yeah, relevant former Perry High School star, Gilbert here in Arizona. Arizona, Gilbert Arizona, and <laughs> Iowa State Cyclone. <laughs> it's so great to see him succeed, but I think too you have to give credit to Kyle Shanahan for being able to continue keeping the offensive mold strong. And that Christian McCaffrey trade was clearly an absolute steal the way they were, they were able to pluck him out of Carolina, by the way, without giving up a first round pick yeah, to get that dude. And he has completely made their offense. The, the deadliest offense, I think in the NFL, I agree with you hundred percent. I think there's a team to watch out for in the NFC and the team that might be the one facing the chiefs on the other side rematch all those years ago in Miami might see Kansas city and San Francisco again in Glendale this year. Well, so uh, pretty much all the divisions in the NFC are wrapped up, right? Except for the East. That's the only one. Uh, San Francisco won the waiting on the East. Correct. Yes. Minnesota clinched the uh, NFC North and some Tampa Bay today at eight and eight, I think clinched their division uh, over Carolina who just got eliminated. And uh, I I think the saints were also eliminated as well. Uh, so you've still got Seattle alive. Detroit is is still alive too. They need a lot of help. <laughs> um, and the Packers are the Packers are winning in, right? I mean, uh, it's uh, do they they also need uh, the Washington? They need Washington. The Commanders eliminated so, themselves today. They did. So I'm reading it here. Seattle has the tiebreak over Detroit based on head-to-head win percentage. Uh, I think that was because Seattle defeated Detroit earlier in the year. And then they also have the division tiebreak that was initially used to eliminate Green Bay, and Detroit wins that tiebreak over Green Bay based on head-to-head. So it's – believe it or not, Green Bay has the easiest path to seven because all they have to do is win because they have the advantage over Seattle. They beat Seattle. Seattle, the second-best odds, Detroit, the third, because Detroit would need to win and would need Seattle to lose to the L.A. Rams, who – looked like the terrible Rams that they were again today to the Chargers. Right. So out of out of everything that has happened this year and the complete collapse that we've seen from guys like Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, in the end, we are still going to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers most likely in the playoffs for another consecutive season. It is astounding to me how they are able to pull this off. Uh, yeah, that, that really is something else. Um but I, I, I like, um, you know, I like the NFC. I like a few teams here. I, 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 think, I think it's Philadelphia 
San Francisco, and I, I wasn't sold on the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago, but I think that they're they're coming on strong. I think they're pretty legit. They have an excellent defense. Uh, the Giants, I'm not, eh, whatever. Um, no? No, no. I think they play hard. I think they really, really got the pick of the litter at head coach. I think they won the head coach sweepstakes in the offseason, getting Brian Dayball away from Buffalo. He's completely made them look like a true competitor to say the least yeah made daniel jones look good they've had times daniel jones this year. was one of the highest scoring quarterbacks this year they've so. had times this year where they just haven't looked very good though i mean i i i don't know if i'm sold on them they're they're likely gonna make the playoff they already clinched the playoff spot actually so they're in um but as as the way that this thing breaks down if i'm a kansas city chiefs fan and i'm looking ahead towards the super bowl because that's what chiefs fans get to do now they get to think about super bowls before they even play a playoff <laughs> game um I, I don't want to see Philadelphia, and I don't want to see San Francisco. Everyone else I think I'd be okay with, but um, it's it, it's going to be fun. I mean, this is the fun time of year. Um, you know, I know a lot of people out there right now it's that don't have teams that are even contending or just c- kind of trying to wait uh, to, the off, to get to the offseason. Are the Arizona Cardinals tanking? Like, I know this is something that you guys have talked about a lot on your show. Is this a thing in the NFL? Like, are they really trying to – you know, lose on purpose by playing whoever that quarterback was. They farted out there today. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, to use an example, is Lovey Smith a bad coach or is Houston just a bad team? A little I think, bit of, little I think bit of like, both. If you're um, looking at, yeah, I would, I would agree there. If you're looking at that example, I think Houston very clearly wants to start over. They want the best possible pick they can get. Arizona, I don't think Arizona came into the season thinking that, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to have to start over. If you consider them extending both the head coach and the general manager in the offseason, eventually extending the quarterback, trading for his running mate at Oklahoma and Marquise Hollywood Brown, and adding that to a tandem that included DeAndre Hopkins, drafting a tight end in the second round. They expected this offense to live up to the level that it did last season. And instead, what we got was the team that everybody was afraid was going to be spit out there, and that was the team that lost what was it, six of its last seven mm-hmm. last year following a 10-2 and two start. And lo and behold, this is what you got. And now you get to tack onto it all the stuff you didn't expect to happen, like uh, the general manager, Steve Kime, having to take a medical leave towards the end of the season. Kyler Murray tearing his ACL. He's likely going to be out for all of training camp leading into next year. And this football team, which can't keep players on the field, can't keep them healthy – and then at the same time, the head coach who was just extended can't coach. Yeah. He's he's not calling smart play calls given the personnel he's got. It makes absolutely zero sense, but that's what happened. And you've got a 4-12 and 12 team now, and if they don't lose next week, it'll be an abject failure at this point. They they should be losing. The Kingsbury's gone, man. Like, they, they can't keep doing this. How does he survive? How does he survive? He's terrible. Like, if you're the owner of that <laughs> team – how can you just sit back and say, oh, but remember remember when we went 10-2 and two with this guy? No. Yeah. You need to get someone that makes that offense work no matter who's under center. The GM is a I head coach. I think that's the biggest flaw. Both of them are gone. Kime and Kingsbury. Those guys are gone. They have to. I mean, there's – Got to be. You look at what Denver just did, obviously. You know, going back to the AFC West – Denver wasn't afraid to fire their coach. I mean, that was just a quick one and done, not even a full season, obviously, and that did not work out. I mean, I don't know that it was all his no. fault. 
but uh, he wasn't dealt a great hand, I don't think. They've got a leadership problem in that locker room, too, with Russell Wilson. I mean, there there's something weird going on there, I think. Denver hasn't won a division game this year. That's part of the problem. you got to win division games if you want to compete in your division. They're probably not going to either. No, they got the Chargers I don't left. foresee them beating the Chargers next yeah. week. Even if the Chargers throw out Chase Daniel, I, <laughs> I just don't foresee it. No. Um, so, what? I mean, what's the, what's the process for the Broncos? I mean, obviously – going to be looking to hire a coach. You've got a quarterback issue, even though you just paid him a ton of money. I'm wondering, what's the first step in this rebuild this offseason? Once the clock hits zero next Sunday, what are they doing? I think if they haven't started looking for their next head coach, they're already falling behind. Mm-hmm. You came into this week knowing that you were going to have an interim head coach. So if you're not already trying to find the next head coach, then you're a step behind. So if they're not already doing that, They need to do that following week 18. Second, you need to have a one-on-one with Russ. And whether it's GM George Payton or whether it's the CEO Greg Penner or the both of them or all three of them, however however it's done, they need to sit down and they need to address everything that they are concerned with Mm -hmm. in regards to Russ, whether it's his on-the-field play, whether it's his off-the-field attitude. The problem is is that the best thing about Russ so far in Denver – is what he's done for the community already. As we know, Russ is a former Walter Payton Man of the Year, so we know that giving to the community is part of his mantra, and that helps his persona, for or his image, I should say. But fans in Denver have been screaming and crying for a bona fide quarterback, and that's what everybody, including myself, thought they were getting this year. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be fixed first and foremost. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, that needs to be addressed as well. And then number three, this this might be the last chance for George Payton. Too. Yeah. He, he had a really good draft the first year, obviously getting Patrick Sertan, Javante Williams, the unfortunate injury he had four weeks in, Quinn Miners, who's been a really great on the line, Jonathan Cooper, who he took in the really late rounds. And then I thought he had a pretty solid draft this year around, but – the free agent signings, obviously the Russell Wilson trade. Randy Gregory has missed a majority of this season because of injury. He's kind of on his last leg, too. And it's slightly been amplified by how poorly Russ has played. But it's been doubled down by the lacking production he's gotten from the guys that he's brought in mm-hmm. in the prior two off seasons. So I think that if those three things are heavily addressed and it's understood that they're on the, all on equal playing field, then maybe it can give them motivation and focus to actually improve this team. At the same time, you still have to worry about the other teams in the division. As we've learned this year, Kansas City's not going anywhere for a while. I don't think Chiefs the Chargers are, are either. If, 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 if the Chargers could actually get a coach in there who can uh, – you know, we talked about this earlier today on the phone. They're, they're misusing Justin Herbert. That kid's a talent. I mean, there's 100%, no question about 100%. it. 100%. I, if they ever figure that out, look out. I mean, I know the Chargers have had some injuries this year. Uh, they've had some pretty big injuries, and it's kind of a miracle that they've won 10 games and they're going to the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah. kudos to them. That alone is going to keep Brandon Staley employed there. They're not firing him. They're making the playoffs, right? But I just don't – I don't know. I don't know if I like the guy or not. I think if the Chargers can I mean, does it keep out, Staley employed? It should. If they go, Does it keep him employed? Let's say they go win a playoff game. How can you fire him? I don't know because because Sean Payton says, "Hey, I want to come there." Uh, 
Don't they? Don't, I mean, wouldn't they have to the, trade the with thing. the Saints to buy his contracts so, back or whatever? So yes, and it's likely going to require a first round pick. But if you're the Chargers, think about the off season that you just had. And yes, it got you to the playoffs, but you've also got this once in a generational talent who's still on his rookie contract. I might add. Maybe go and try and get a ring before you have to pay him and do this whole rebuild start over thing that most teams have to do after they pay the generational quarterback. Yeah. I mean, of course, the exception with Kansas City, as we know, Pat Mahomes got paid the year after he won, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Went to the Super Bowl again. They lost. But then what happened in that next that offseason after they lost to Tampa? The restructure. They altered around some of the money that Pat Mahomes was getting because they knew we can't just win this thing with just him. No. We've got to get him Mitchell Schwartz. We've got to get him Orlando Brown. We've got to get him guys that can help keep him upright. They drafted the, that was the biggest flaw the, in that Super Bowl. The center from Oklahoma they drafted has been phenomenal too. I mean they Oh, they, I love Creed Humphrey. Yeah, He's Humphrey's awesome. Humphrey's a player, man. They they absolutely struck gold with that draft pick. And that's the that's part of the thing too with the Chiefs' success is, you know, drafting quarterbacks, as you know, for the last eight years in Denver, it's a crapshoot. As I know. I mean, you've, <laughs> you know, you've gone through Drew Locke. You've gone through a, a lot of different guys that you've drafted, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't always work out. Obviously, the Chiefs saw something in Mahomes. That's why they made the trade to go get him. You had Deshaun Watson sitting right there as well. I mean, that was an option in that mm-hmm. draft. It's hard to believe Mitch Trubisky was the first quarterback taken over those two guys, but that's just the way it, it worked out. Um, and But you just don't know. But And Andy Reid has struck gold on a lot of draft picks. This Nick Bolton kid, the linebacker, is phenomenal. Second round out of Missouri. I mean, just an absolute player. The Chiefs have really done a good job drafting, and that's that's part of it. I mean, getting lucky with draft picks. These guys can actually play. It works out. And, you know, a team – is really really good when last year you guys had Tyron Matthew a team is really really good when they can say no we don't need your services anymore because <laughs> yeah. we found another guy that's just as good and is going to fill in for him Legere Sneed has been a great fill in of course I, th- I think that the Chiefs just understand what pieces are the most important to them quarterback Chris Jones in the interior on the defensive line Frank Clark they paid him Orlando too. Brown once Orlando Brown can fully get through a season, I would definitely say like he's a big part for them. But I mean, it happened again this offseason. Tyreek Hill? No. Goodbye. Tyreek Hill? No. Yeah. We don't need you. We don't need you. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, he's all we need. He is all we need on this offense. Well, I'm, that and Jarek McKinnon for the last four weeks for some reason. But Kelsey will they retire. They just know how to operate. Chief. Kelsey will retire a chief. I can't see him going anywhere I'd else. I'd be shocked if he goes anywhere else. Because if he if it comes to the point they where don't. he's got to re-sign a deal, he'll probably take a home down, hometown discount. I mean, he's 34 years old, you know. Um, but the, yeah. the Tyreek Hill thing was one of those things where, you know, they, they shipped him, they get a first-round pick, and they don't have to pay him the kind of money that the Dolphins gave him. That he's not worth. I'm sorry. They would. They th- he wouldn't take a hometown discount to stay in Kansas City. And the Chiefs organization is that's fine. Bye bye. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll just go get Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis. It's okay. I mean, we'll seriously. Um, so I, you know, I think if if you're some of these teams that are in the AFC West, if you're the Raiders and you're the Broncos, you're on the outside looking in. Obviously, Kansas City and and the LA Chargers are in a much better spot than those two teams are. So there's some there's some work to do. Um, but I think you kind of got to look at the Kansas City model. Maybe not extend some of these guys that, you know, you're going to have to extend and stuff like that. Maybe figure out a way to fill some pieces other way, other ways. But 
Um, regardless, it, it's worked. And, uh, you know, the Brett Veach and Andy Reid thing is, is really clicking. They just have to get to another Super Bowl. Otherwise, I think you consider it a disappointment. But uh, real quick, Mitch, let's talk some college football, then we'll get you out of here. Um, what a weekend that <laughs> oh, was, right? Well, Holy I mean, smokes. it started out with the Kansas State Wildcats just getting absolutely smacked by Alabama. Um, so that was tough. We don't have to stay on that for long for your yeah, sake. It's okay. It, it is it is what it is. You know, I really didn't expect to win the game. Um, but you would have liked to have seen it a little bit more competitive. Alabama, I think, would have beaten anybody yesterday the way they played. I mean, I think if you line them up against Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, or Michigan in the playoff, they're every bit, you know, capable of beating those teams. Obviously, they're Alabama, but they, you know, a lot of the thing about Alabama going into that game was, are they going to care? They're bummed they didn't make the playoff. They were the last team out or blah, blah, blah. Are they really going to care? It seemed like they did. And uh, that team was really good. But TCU Michigan was probably the sloppiest, wildest, craziest display of, of just spurt plays. I mean, there were 21 points in the last two and a half minutes of the third quarter or something like that. Yeah. Um, absurd lack of defense in that second you, half. You know, I was watch, when I was watching that, I'm thinking for TCU's sake, I'm like, you know what? These big plays are great, but they really need to put together like an eight-minute drive here that, to, to seal this yeah. thing. And then they kept throwing 70-yard bombs. Like, you know, those plays are awesome, <laughs> but it's not helping you in this situation. What would you make of that one? Well, fascinating because it's right down the street from where I am here sure. in Glendale. So I could feel the, the aura of the specialness of that weekend. And I have a very close family friend who went to TCU and I know he was amped up for this game. I got to give credit where credit's due. The Horned Frogs just right out the gate. They knew exactly how they wanted to go at Michigan. Their defense made the very most of some, some very tight throws that JJ McCarthy made early on in that game. Mm -hmm. And Sonny Dykes has those guys inspired and it's awesome to see. And I saw a stat the other day on uh, SVP's uh, sports center that Sonny Dykes could become the uh, first head coach. I can't remember since when, but one of the first to be in his first season and win the national title. That's on the line for Sonny. And that would be awesome for him, especially the way that he's turned Max Max Duggan into a legit quarterback prospect in the upcoming drafts. No doubt. No doubt. And, and, uh, it's hard to believe that Sonny Dykes was fired by Cal. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I crazy that 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 one's a head scratcher there. Um, and then the, the well, it ni- shows you because Cal is not a very good football team. Well, no, so. I understand. I understand. It's just like they, <laughs> you know, that guy can coach. I mean, there's no question about it. I don't think he's. I I, I could see him in the NFL in a couple years. I, if not after this year, I mean, who knows? If I'm the Denver Broncos, I might be calling that guy. Maybe I don't know if you saw this either. While we were thinking of first. TCU was 200 to one odds to win the title coming into this year. Ooh. So I was, I, I, they had a graphic of all the other 200 to one odds to win their respective title. I saw the Colorado Rockies and I chuckled because I knew that that was, I saw that too. I was, I was laughing so hard. Um, they, they were, they were picked to finish seventh in the big 12. I mean, that's just amazing. What did you make of uh, Ohio state and Georgia? I thought, I thought Ohio state was better um, than I thought they would be in that game. That that team's pretty well coached, and they've got a quarterback. They've got some nice players. Um, don't know what the hell that field goal was at the end to win the game. Ugh. Just a you know that looked like literally like one of my tee shots where you hit it off the toe and it just goes hard left, like right off the bat. 
That was terrible, man. So, like, all of my tee shots then. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was bad. It, 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 he just he just whiffed it. Like, at first I thought it was blocked because yeah. the ball was moving sideways. I was like, did that Georgia guy get a finger on that or something? Nope. Just just totally whiffed it. looked it. like it, yeah. What would you make of that one? That was I, a fun I mean, That was a fun game, too. Yeah, 100%. Georgia's clearly got the pedigree. Georgia is that team right now. Could they go undefeated this season? Could they win their second consecutive? It's to be seen, but very clearly, Stetson Bennett's a winner. Stetson Bennett is a playmaker. Stetson Bennett is that dude. It's just so uh, average. All he's... the other all the other. <laughs> he's the he he's just he's use. so average and I love it. I mean, he's just He gets the job done. He's just a guy, you know. Um all right. Mitch Vareldis of 98 to 7 uh Arizona's Sports. You guys changed the slogan. You're the local sports leader now, I think is what the Yeah, is. no more no more 98.7 in the title. We're Arizona sports, the local sports the leader. The local that's, sports leader. It's the new branding. That's the new yeah. branding. You got to refresh it every now and then. I, I completely understand that. So, um, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on, Mitch. I uh, um, know you got a, a big week coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. I assume Gambo's back in town from wherever the hell he was. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I know you guys were scrambling to find a, to find a host the other day. So, um, yeah. But uh, hopefully things are back to normal. Um, we'll let you get out of here, dude. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we need to meet up and catch up sometime. Hopefully I'll get in there into the station shortly. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you, man. Absolutely, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it.